Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, here we go. Tuesday edition of the show, Scoops with Danny Mac. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Colin Surrey is our producer. We always have the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. 65780 as we take you into Ribs and BK. Rhino Shield might drop love to get to those as well. All right. What do you think? We've got baseball. I love it. I'm excited, Dan. I'm excited, too. I'm excited for you, the fans. At least on paper, we've got 60 games. It's better than nothing. It's at least better than me coming on the air and saying they scrapped it. And we're going to be talking about the economics of the sport leading into 2021. It'll be a tough off season. There's going to be no free agent signings. Well, there might not be any free agent signings anyway, but at least we've got baseball. That's the number one thing. We're going to be talking about a lineup. We're going to be talking about maneuvers. Talking about maybe the Cardinals going into postseason play. And that's what we want to talk about. Baseball. It'll be odd. No fans in the stands. Broadcast may look a little different, sound a little different. So what? It's baseball. And that's what fans want. I've said it so many times. We've had over 100,000 Americans die from the coronavirus, social unrest, over 40 million unemployed. And what do you want as a fan? You want a diversion. And yeah, could baseball be back by Independence Day? Should it have been back? Yes. Is it going to save the country? No. Would it have been nice to have a diversion? Yes. Did it get ugly? You bet it did. And it still might. You know, we're still waiting for the health and safety protocols to be agreed upon. And they will. It'll happen. And we're going to have baseball as long as we can get everything done. And it's still a long road. Still a long road to get to. And a lot of hoops to get to. And knock on wood. And God willing, you know, guys can stay safe. Get on the field and play. And I mean that sincerely. Health and safety is number one. And and we'll have baseball, but man, fans need it. It'll be nice to see. And I mean that for baseball and for hockey and the NBA and whatever sport you enjoy. NASCAR. NASCAR had an incredible day yesterday with all the social unrest that we talk about. It was incredible watching Bubba Watson. I mean, it was neat. I had goosebumps watching that. But it was finally a, a bright moment to say that they came to an agreement And yes, we have baseball. Now, it should be more of an exciting day today. I bet some fans are saying, ho-hum, okay, because they're sick of hearing about the economics. And I get it. I love this sport. I'm involved in this sport. Make a living off this sport. Our crew makes a living off this sport. I'm happy for them. I'm happy most for them. And also the fans. Fans miss it. I know so many diehards that every night they're either at the ballpark or watching on television. They want to see the sport back. So it's not perfect, but you're going to get it back for 60 games. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Rhino Shield, Mike Drop. My guest today, Dr. Rick Lehman. He's one of the top orthopedic surgeons in the country. He runs the U.S. Center for Sports Medicine right here in St. Louis. Been a team doctor. The Team USA doctor for the Olympics, worked with some of the biggest names in sports. Also, is a constant contact with sports teams in the country right now, both pro and college. We're going to get into the return of sports because of the coronavirus. It's going to be tough. 
And that's why I want to get them on. How can these leagues realistically deal with the virus in trying to come back? All right, we do start with baseball. 60-game season begins around the 24th of July, maybe the 26th, the 28th. We don't know. First, the players have to sign on. The health and safety protocols being negotiated. Spring training would begin at home ballparks on July 1st. So... Three months of back and forth. Negotiation saw the players reject the owner's proposal last night. Then the players, they decided, put it back in the owner's court. The players banking on a grievance that could claim about a billion dollars in damages. The players get 100% prorated pay, and the owners will get a shortened season with no fans. Neither side gets momentum for the sport. By rejecting the owner's offer, the players said goodbye to $25 million in a playoff pool for this year, $33 million in forgiven salary advances, expanded postseason from 10 to 16 teams. So, gone are the expanded playoffs. Gone. Enhanced broadcast gone, or maybe some of the players. We don't know. There might be some players that say, hey, I'm just sitting this one out. Buster Olney of ESPN. If there's an implementation, and if the agents and players I've talked to are right, you are going to hear, start hearing about the factions of players saying, I'm out, not doing it. Um, I think the fact, I mean, besides the, you know, the inherent, uh, you know, concern about the coronavirus, the fact that there wouldn't actually be agreement between the two sides is going to give cover um, and rationale for some players who decide they don't want to participate. You know, potential free agents, guys who, you know, could hit the open market in the fall and have a lot of money at stake, they may drop out. You might see players, you know, who in the past, if they had a, a small injury, they would just play through. Maybe in the, you know, the new 2020 shortened implemented season, they could say, not doing that, not working through it. It's going to become a circus. And as I wrote a column yesterday, um, you know, if you're Rob Manfred, you're the owners, you have to understand that if you implement a season, then it might be that on a day-by-day basis, the biggest stories in the sport are not, hey, the, you know, the Cardinals faced off with the Cubs. It might be, okay, which stars have left their, their, their uh, clubhouses today? Which players are not available today? That would get really ugly. Uh, for baseball if it plays out that way. I think you could cue the Benny Hill music. Okay, no problem. You're a player, you want to sit out, sit out. I want to watch baseball. Would I miss watching the Stars? Sure I would. But I want to watch the game. It was here before you. It'll be here after you. And I understand if you don't want to play. It's a personal choice. You have your reasons. I've got mine. I want to watch the game. I love the game. And so we have 60 potential games, barring a shutdown because of the virus. Rick Horton was a guest of Randy Michelle yesterday morning. I, I think it does bode well for the Cardinals because of their depth. Yes, absolutely. But one of the things I was thinking about, guys, is is there's going to be a team that you think, are you kidding me? They're, they're, they're going to be in the playoffs? They're gonna, because in, in, in 60 games or 65 games or whatever the games end up being, you know, you could have a hot Seattle Mariners team. You could have a hot... Uh, San Diego Padre team, you know, I mean, it could, it is going to be interesting to see, you know, what team just happens to get off to a good start because that good start could translate into, as you say, it's a sprint. You know, you, you sprint for a while, people behind you start to give up when they realize that the race is almost over. If it's a marathon, you keep going and the best team wins. So, so I, I think you'll find team. I do suspect that there'll be teams in the playoffs 
that we do not did not expect to be there, and there will be teams that we thought would be there that won't. And that's the viewpoint that I'm going to take. Let's have some fun with this. Let's have a little fun with it. It's an outlier of a season. God willing, we've got a vaccine. We get back to some normalcy next year. It's 162 games. There's fans back in the seats. We've got sports treated as a race to the finish. Have a little fun. Hey, the Pittsburgh Pirates get in the playoffs. They make a run. Great. Okay. But this is different because 60 games, game one means something. Game one and 162, it's opening day. Yeah, that's fun. Game two, it's like, eh, okay. Eh, you had a bad night. Wow, there's another one tomorrow. We always say that. You're back at it tomorrow. Back at it tomorrow. And then you really start paying attention in the middle of August, late August, then September. That's the race to the finish of a normal season. Well, when you start game one of 60, that's the race. Treat it as such. Have fun with it. Just from a baseball perspective. Take the virus out of it. Just look at it from a baseball perspective. Have fun with it. Watch what happens. Watch the teams you would never expect to have a chance all of a sudden get off to a great start and some of these young players put together an incredible start. It'll be fun to watch. Go through the years of the past and look at a 60-game stretch from some of these players. It's incredible. I mean, it's incredible. Guys hitting 415, OPS is through the roof. I mean, it's amazing. You can do some incredible things in a 60-game stretch, whether it's individual or as a team. And that's how I'm going to treat it. I'm going to make the most of it. It's an outlier. It'll be different. It'll be odd with no fans. So what? It'll be fun to see something different. And believe me, it's going to be different. (laughs) A lot different. So as sports are trying to come back, which sports may have the toughest time coming back. Dr. Anthony Fauci was a guest of the Michael K. Show last night. The sport that has the most contact, which in this case is football, is something you need to pay attention to and figure out how you can get players to play a season safe and in what particular circumstance. And that's really going to depend in many respects on the status of the outbreak at the time that that season is being played. So, I mean, I I have a concern about the health of everyone, and I certainly the sports lover, and I want to concern about the health of the players. So, I mean, if the specific answer to your question, those sports in which there is the most contact and depending upon the status of the outbreak. Yeah, in that interview, he's talking about the potential of the, the second wave of the virus, and that means the fall, and that means football, and he was talking about contact. Now, yesterday, we had Dave Matter of the Post-Dispatch, who does an incredible job covering uh, Mizzou athletics, and I asked him about the return of football down in Columbia for the Missouri Tigers. I think we'll have a start to the season. You know, everything is trending that direction. I mean, teams are bringing back their athletes for voluntary workouts right now. We're we're seeing a lot of cases at schools where they're getting multiple players test positive and need to quarantine. But these programs are are really moving toward, you know, the the, the ramping up toward summer workouts where, where the coaches get more involved next month. And then August 7th, they can begin preseason camp with pads and tackling and all of that that we usually see in August. So they're, they are trying their best to have a season. I, I think the fear has to be that teams will have outbreaks during the year and have to um, quarantine a, a group of players and maybe forfeit a game. Um, but it just seems like without having any real leadership at the NCAA level that can make decisions like you see in Major League Baseball and NBA and, and the NFL, 
it's it's going to be kind of a case by case basis if these teams can can get through the season. I think. Yeah, it could be. We saw that uh, Boise State shut it down yesterday. Various teams have had to quarantine their players, shut things down. How about the SEC? We know it's driven by football. I do. I think they could play tomorrow. They would play tomorrow if they could. Yeah. Uh, what's really interesting is if you look at the the data of. of where cases are really popping up exponentially is a lot of the schools that are in states and in, in, uh, in the southeastern part of the country. And those are also the states politically have been more geared toward opening up early and um, you know, not necessarily being dismissive of um, of the precautions, but maybe a little bit more so than places in the northeast or out west uh, up in the uh, northwest part of the country. So it, it you, people say keep your politics out of my sports, but it's it's hard to separate when it comes to this issue, especially in a lot of these states in the SEC. Um, most have governors who are Republicans, and and you know we we've seen that this is there's a a blue and red line in the sand here between uh, um, you know the, a lot of these states, and it's I think it's really interesting in the SEC. But I do think you know these these universities they know that. Football is the revenue generator that makes everything else possible. That's true in the SEC like it is everywhere else. And and I I really think they are trying their best and doing what they can to have a football season. Fascinating stuff with Dave Matter from the 980. Good morning, Danny Mack. Love your program. I wanted to know, with the owners implementing the 60-game season by force, do you think the players would reject the safety protocol? No, I don't. I think the players just want to be safe. Um, do I think that some of the players may not show up? It's on the table. I just think they want to be safe. I think they want to make sure that if they do uh, decide to to show up, that all, all scenarios are looked at. Everything that they um, have agreed to, uh, upon with the safety protocols, everything is looked at. Every possible scenario is looked at. And uh, they're expected to be in their home ballparks by July 1st. So Bush Stadium, July 1st, players are there. All the testing is done. And really, this is going to come down to a lot of you know, responsibility with the individual. And you're counting on your teammate to be responsible once they leave that ballpark. What are you doing at night? What are you doing in the morning? Before and after the ballpark? It's a lot. You're asking a lot. How can that be done? What's the testing going to be like? We're going to talk it over with Dr. Rick Lehman when we come back on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, 1020 in St. Louis. Dr. Rick Lehman, one of the top orthopedic surgeons in the country, based right here in St. Louis. U.S. Center for Sports Medicine in town and a team doctor for Team USA in the Olympics. Worked with some of the biggest names in sports. Also in constant contact with sports teams and some of the biggest names in sports here in 2020 and many, many years uh, prior to 2020. And I always call him instant offense. Doc, it's always great to hear your voice. How you doing, my man? I'm good, Danny Mack. How are you? Well, we're getting out of quarantine. We're hoping we have sports. I know you miss sports. Um, what do you think? Can we, can we pull this thing off? What do you think? Well, you know, I think there's a number of issues, and I think if we're going to try and truly not have anybody exposed to the virus, 
then I think we're, we're, we're missing the mark. So, so if the idea is zero uh, contagion, zero exposure, I think we're missing the mark and it's not going to work. I think if we look at it logistically and we say, look, these kids are healthy, we're going to do everything we can to be safe, but we're, we're, we're not unrealistic, then I think it's very reasonable to open up the sports environment. Now, there's studies out right now that show that these cortisol levels, cortisol levels are something that your body makes uh, as a reaction to stress. And, and if you have low cortisol levels, your chances of getting sick from getting the virus are very, very low. So what we're doing in our pro kids is we're testing these cortisol levels, and we know that if their levels are kind of normal, they're not high, then their chances, even if they get the virus, are fine. And there was a very well-known John Bros grad who went to Ohio State, played football for Dallas. I can't mention his name. We all know who it is. Got sick, got the virus, wasn't sick, and was fine. And so you have a lot of people that are that are going to get exposed to the virus and are probably going to have very little problems. And I think for these kids' health, these kids have been sitting home three and four months, I think the mental problems we're going to have in the future far outweigh what's going to happen if we let them go back and play sports this thing changes daily doesn't it it's incredible how much it changes daily and the information that the general public is getting well there's no question and and a lot of it's misinformation a lot of it's you know quite honestly bs and some of it's real and you have to kind of wade through that as a doctor and especially as a a sports doctor who's you know consulting teams and pro athletes and looking at olympic events etc so yeah, it's definitely it definitely is is uh, changing on a daily basis, and I think what we have to do is we have to look at it realistically. Now, you know, the logistical nightmare of starting baseball or hockey. I mean, just imagine you take you know you pick any baseball team. Mike Trout gets test positive, and they're going to quarantine the whole team for two or three weeks. I mean, that's just not logical. In terms of baseball, as opposed to. Uh, hockey in the NBA. So hockey uh, in the NBA, they're, they're going to do the bubble. And baseball is going to try to live in, in general society. Out of those three, which of the three are realistic in trying to make this thing work? Well, I think the NBA probably has the best plan right now. And, and you know, the players are going to hate it. And as you know, a lot of players have already opted out saying, look, we're not going to participate. But I think in terms of safety, you know, you can limit, you're not going to have any fans. You can limit the number of people in and out, and you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to COVID test everybody every week. So every athlete's going to get COVID tested every week. That's a lot of tests. But I think it's doable because NBA teams are fairly small compared to, let's say, football or even a baseball franchise. And if you think of baseball, you're going from city to city. You're going to play in a number of cities, and, and that's also going to be an issue. So I think the NBA has the best chance and 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 not really because our plan's any better, but just because teams are small, and you can control that, and you can put all these teams in one small, as you said, in a bubble, one small area, and you can control a lot more of the variables. What are the tests like that these players are going to receive? I mean, I, I think most people have looked at the the nasal swab. <laughs> we, we've heard about um, a, a blood test. What and, and and there's been throat tests. What what are these guys going to have to go through on a daily basis? So I think probably once a week they're going to have to do the PCR test, and the PCR test is the bad boy. That's the one where they stick the thing up your nose. You know, as, as the athletes always say, it felt like it was in my brain. And and that's an uncomfortable test. And I think you're going to probably have to do the blood test and antibody test every two to three weeks. Now, part of the problem with all these tests are, are 
we're getting a lot of results where people are testing negative and then testing positive or vice versa. So to say that these tests are 100% isn't correct. And, and so if you take that as a fact, and that is a fact, you're probably going to have to do multiple tests. So the reason you have to test every week is you don't know how valid each test is. And so if you get a negative or a positive, you're going to have to retest in a week to make sure that your results. Now, if everybody, you know, if LeBron James tests negative five weeks in a row, he's obviously negative. But what's going to happen if he tests positive and then he tests negative and then he tests positive? And we're going to see that happen. So what we're going to have to do is we're going to probably have to augment that with some of these blood tests. And these guys are going to get tested to death. They're going to get sick of this in a hurry. In terms of vaccinations, I know you talk to doctors across the world. Uh, what are you hearing about vaccinations? Well, you know, it's, it, you hit it on the head. It changes daily. So uh, the University of Pennsylvania is kind of leading the way, and they've got they, they've done the most research. They've got the most information, and they're having a lot of trouble coming up with a safe uh, vaccination that actually does what it's supposed to do, which is to create antibodies and not get everybody sick. So initially, there was a huge positive optimism in terms of vaccination, and that's kind of waned a little bit because I think what we're finding is it's a lot more difficult than we thought to get the antibody response. So if you get a normal vaccination, your body makes these antibodies, these things called antibodies, and it's going to fight the measles or the mumps or whatever, the chicken pox. What we're finding is we're getting these antibodies are, are positive for a short period of time, but after three or four weeks, if you get exposed, you're still going to get the virus. So it's, you're not getting that long-term effect, that long-term protection, and that's been the problem. So you can get this multiple times, essentially, is what you're saying. Right. So you get the, you know, you get the vaccine, you think you're safe, you, you go wherever out, and you go to the ballpark, and there's a lot of people, and the next thing you know, you're sick, and you test positive again, which isn't the case for most vaccines. So if you get a vaccine for, let's say, chickenpox, you're never going to get the chickenpox. That's not what been, that's not been the case here. So the problem is, after you get this vaccine, you think you're safe, we're seeing people test positive and then test positive a third time after getting vaccinated. So right now, you know, uh, I'm a little war- lukewarm on the vaccination. I, 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 at first, I thought we might have one by the end of the year, but it looks it looks like that may not happen. Dr. Rick Lehman is uh, with us, orthopedic surgeon. And again, uh, he is uh, with us from the U.S. Center for Sports Medicine right here in St. Louis and is uh, world-renowned. And we're lucky to have him here in town and our guest on 101 ESPN. We're, we're getting to the point now. We're hearing about MLB. Uh, NHL and the NBA coming back. Uh, we're close to the NFL. We're close to college football coming back. Dr. Anthony Fauci was uh, a guest on Michael K's show last night and talked about the fact that football, because of the fact that guys, um, you know, basically, for lack of a better term, you're piling on each other, there's constant contact, that football could be the toughest of the sports returning. What, what do you think about that? So I think if you're going to play NFL football, college football, high school football, you have to just throw in the towel and say, if one or two kids test positive, you're going to have a significant contagion. You're going to have a number of the people test positive. You know, you got people lining up on the offensive and defensive line. They talked about microphones in the helmets, which maybe you're going to get rid of. The, possibly you're going to get rid of the huddle. Who knows? But there's no way to stop. You know, you're going to tackle the guy with the ball. Multiple people are going to block. Multiple people are going to try to tackle the wide receiver. So you have a lot of people that are exposed, and then you're going to change positions, right? So, you know, the, the 
second string tight end is going to come out and you're going to then infect everybody from, you know, people coming in and out of, of the line. So I think football is going to be very, very tough to protect in terms of people getting the COVID and people testing positive. You know, Joe Burrows gets test positive. What are you going to do? Are you going to shut down the whole team? Are you going to shut him down? So I think you have to expect that there's going to be positive tests. Football, as you said, is a, as is the NBA, as is hockey. You know, baseball's got the best chance. People are spread out. You know, you have close contact, and what are you going to do? And you have to be prepared when three or four people on your team test positive because that is going to happen. What uh, What do you think about baseball? And, and I want to go back into that just for a moment. They're, they're talking about the safety protocols of what they have to go through. If you were on advisory board uh, for baseball, what are some of the things that you, you would be advising baseball to do at this point? Well, you know, the first thing you have to do is, is, as people have already talked about, you have to spread out the locker room. You have to, you may need a second locker room, but you're going to have to take out some of the lockers. You're not going to allow the athletes to shower together. You know, you're going to have to take out the showers. You're going to have to limit, and this is going to be the hardest, the influx of all the ancillary people. So the people, you know, the cooks in the, in the clubhouse, the people that bring the towels, the grounds crew. So all these people that are coming in from the outside, that are that are going to now infect this quote unquote cocoon, what we're calling the cocoon, then then all those people are are, are possible uh, people that are going to infect the whole team. So you're going to have to test all those people. You're going to have to limit their access, and once they've tested negative, you're going to let them have access. Where again, you're going to have to test them every week or two because you know they're going back into the environment. And you, you think of the environment as a bad place. You know people's homes, the grocery stores, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then they're going to come into this environment where all the athletes supposedly are non-infected. But hotels, uh, restaurants, food services, all these things are going to have to be very, very carefully watched. And I think that's going to be a tough, a very tough ticket. In terms of, um, yeah, I, I brought up the um, example yesterday, I guess it was, Doc, is that, you know, Dusty Baker is 72. He is, he's beat cancer. How concerned would you be with Dusty being inside that dugout? So you got, you know, you ask about the players, and, and, and I'm not too worried about the players. I think the players are generally healthy. They're in good shape. They're going to fight the virus. Now you got a 70-year-old manager. Uh, forget Dusty. How about a guy that's smoked his whole life or chewed tobacco his whole life or has asthma or has some type of pulmonary disease or has been on chemotherapy or is diabetic or is overweight? Now you've probably named, you know, half of the, the managers and the third base coaches in the league. Those people are at severe risk. So Dusty Baker is at severe risk. If he gets it, he's you know he's African American. He has a lot of things going against him, and he seriously could could get it and end up on a ventilator. Whereas somebody twenty years old. So my concern has always been the coaches, um, all all the managers, the bench coaches, guys that are a little older, maybe not as healthy. Uh, maybe a little overweight, maybe they're pre-diabetic or diabetic, and those are the people that are really at risk, and, and, and we're going to have to really protect those. And whether that guy is going to be allowed in the dugout or not, you know, that remains to be seen. We're seeing young people contract the virus. They get it. They fight it. They're fine. Um, we're not that far away from colleges and universities seeing their kids come back to campus. How concerned or are you about that, seeing schools and universities, uh, not just the athletes, but just kids returning to school? Well, you know, I think th- this is going to happen in certain schools. The SEC schools have already said, hey, we're coming back. Let's go. 
the California schools have not. So you're going to see a little disparity in the country. I'm not really worried about young, healthy kids going back to school. But I think, again, you have to, you have to pick your, your cohort. So if you've got a kid that's not healthy, and, you know, some of these kids aren't healthy. Some of these kids have had, have had, had asthma. Some of these kids have type 1 gestational diabetes. So you have to pick the kids that are healthy, and, you, and, and I'm not worried at all about them going back to school, but just because they're 20 or 21, you can't say they're all healthy. So I think the first thing you're going to have to do or you should do is you need to screen every one of those kids coming back to every campus, small schools, big schools, to make any difference. And those kids that aren't healthy, and I'm going to tell you the numbers, about 6 to 7%, should not be back in school. You know, they need to take Zoom classes or do something else. They shouldn't be in the general population. And the kids that are healthy, I think they're fine. Are they going to, you know, are they going to test positive? A bunch of them are going to test positive. They're partying. They're doing what kids do. I don't really think that's an issue. But when you see that these, these this small number of young kids that actually die, those are the kids. Those are the kids that have had adolescent diseases. Maybe they've been a little sickly. And those kids probably don't belong on campus. What's your advice for the general public to try to say, uh, stay safe? What, what do you tell your neighbor? What do you tell your friend about trying to stay safe against COVID-19? I think the biggest thing is your immune system. We talked a little bit about it. Uh, as, as you said, it's a work in progress. I think everybody should be on silver, colloidal silver. I think people should be taking zinc. I think now we're seeing people should probably be taking an aspirin a day because it's, it's a pulmonary or a lung problem. And it's not the worst thing, and I'm going to say this, and people may jump down my throat, uh, if you're taking metformin or you're pre-diabetic, those, those people don't get the disease. So uh, make sure that if you're pre-diabetic or sometime in your life, your doctor is saying, hey, you know, you should be on metformin. Metformin seems to be protective. So take your medicine. I mentioned, I'll wrap it up with this, you're an orthopedic surgeon, so we hit the quarantine, and you're dealing with, uh, you know, guys having Tommy John and reconstructive surgeries and knee surgeries. What was life like over at uh, the U.S. Center for Sports Medicine here in St. Louis? You're dealing with, you know, top college athletes. You got guys going to Oklahoma and Ohio State and top pro athletes, and you, and, and, and basically, tell me if I'm wrong, Doc, but business shut down for a little bit. What was it like for you? Well, it was a nightmare. So you had two things going on. You had people that, you know, didn't want to come in, and, and I understood that. They were a little flipped out. You know, they didn't want to, A, they didn't want to leave their house, and certainly they didn't want to drive to St. Louis, and B, did they really want to go to a place where there was a lot of people. So, you know, we were seeing eight, ten patients a day. The flip side of the coin is I had all these kids that we did surgery on, and they couldn't rehab. I just saw a kid two minutes ago who was going to go pitch for Ohio State, and he says, I've been in the house for three months. Wow. You know, he's been doing some push-ups and doing a little bit of, you know, some some workouts on TV, but nothing like he would have been doing, you know, had, had we not had this pandemic. So things were things were shut down, and, and it, was, it was kind of uh, depressing, to be quite honest, because you saw these, you know, people were just so, so afraid. And, and it was a little scary. And, and the biggest concern I had were people that were not getting their checkups, people that were not getting their medicines, people that were afraid to go to the doctors. Um, the national statistic, statistic was 80 million kids didn't get vaccinated. You know, that's a big concern. So, you know, I'm glad we're, we're, we're coming back. But, again, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a black, very uh, – pretty depressing time were, were guys like you and and nurses especially were you, were you guys even though it wasn't your field or 
expertise. Were you guys on call initially when this all hit? And we we kind of didn't know, you know, for for a while we didn't know what the hell was going on. Were you guys on call just in case, you know, hey, we need your help. Just be ready. We were working at, at nights doing tele, telemedicine um, wow. in New Orleans and different different uh, hotbed cities, taking calls, taking information. And we were ready if we had to, you know, to go man whatever, emergency rooms, ICUs, et cetera. Now, it never got that bad in St. Louis. And we never really had the overload that you read about in Chicago or in New York. But we were doing telemedicine routinely, you know, trying to help out the docs around the country because they were just getting inundated with all these calls. And we were trying to, trying to manage most of these without sending them to the hospital because most people were like, I'm not going to the hospital. That's where all the sick people are. So we did actually a pretty good job, got them their meds, calmed them down, told them what they needed to do. So it was actually pretty effective. Doc, we got to do this weekly. What do you say? <laughs> I'm ready. You ready? Yep. I mean, we're good enough friends to do this weekly, right? Uh, I love it. You're the best, buddy. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Hey, have a good day. You got it. That is uh, Dr. Rick Lehman from uh, the U.S. Center for Sports Medicine right here in St. Louis. Always love visiting with Dr. Rick Lehman. As I said, he is instant offense. What do you think? For uh, I mean, he's awesome, isn't he? I was just absolutely just... I don't even know the words to describe it. He's you the know, best. the way he was talking about some of these things, some of these things that we haven't considered, everything dealing with this virus is so much deeper than what we have kind of discussed, you know, in its entirety. We are just scratching the surface of how complicated all of this is going to get. I've known uh, Dr. Rick for years. Good friend of mine. Uh, been out with him many, many times socially and uh just a good dude. Um, interesting guy. So I want to get your reaction to that from the uh, 618. This is an awesome in capital letters interview. Thank you. Makes total sense. Makes me think. That's from Lisa. Uh, Danny Mack, love the interview with Dr. Rick. Please have him on more. May uh, try to do that uh, weekly. We'll get some sports medicine questions on with him. It's fun to listen to. That's Dr. Rick Lehman. Get to more reaction from the opening monologue as well. This is 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mack in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Many thanks to Rick Lehman. And we continue on Scoops with Danny Mack. Air coverage service text line open 65780. Rhino Shield mic drop. And let's go to Nick. Danny, good morning. Good morning Something to you. I thought was really interesting on the uh, crossover you uh-huh. were mentioning about how you wanted to see expanded playoffs. Yes, sir. That could be Mike Trout's only opportunity to ever get in the playoffs. Think about that. In a shortened season like this, this could be the one opportunity he has. I don't see that team going anywhere anytime soon. Just something to think about. I don't care. Get better pitching. Build a team around the best player in the game. That's their fault. And it might be. They get hot. They get in the playoffs. Uh, I love Mike Trout. I think he's the best player in the game. Unfortunately, the baseball is not marketed to him as well. But it's a two-way street. He's got to be one to uh, wanted to be marketed as well. Plays late at night. Rest of the country doesn't see him. If he's in New York, might be a bit, a bit different. Or in Chicago. Um, incredible talent. And if this is a normal season and he continues to put up the numbers that he's put up, let's say he plays close to 20 years he goes down as one of the best players in the history of the game unquestionably 
Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Mike Trout, Stan the Man. Before it's all said and done, people look back at Pujols as being one of the best ever, top 10. Bonds, if you want to throw them in there, even with the pharmaceutical aids. Well, it's true. The numbers are there. Yeah, he's one of the best ever. But they, they need pitching. Uh, they did sign Rendon. You got Albert. You got Mike Trout. But they don't have the pitching. That's a fact. Huh. 314 Danny Mack on the Air Comfort Service text line. That was one of the most informative uh, segments I've heard as a dad of a future SEC athlete. It was enlightening and meaningful. Thank you. Good luck to you and your athlete. I, I hope they have sports. And as a future athlete, that would mean at least four years. Maybe your athlete is a three-year student and heading pro. Don't know. Maybe he or she is a four-year or a five-year athlete. This year, to me, is completely up in the air. Um, I, I just don't know how school is going to pull this thing off if... It's an athlete that is playing, let's say, baseball. I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. SEC baseball, different story, different animal. A wrestler, tough. I mean, some of these sports are going to go by the wayside, man. I mean, football is the, is the sport that's going to drive the bus. And if you don't have football and that kind of money coming in, oh, boy. Devastating. It is. It's just devastating financially. It's just a fact. You have to have football. You've got to have it. You've got to have those people in the seats. You have to have the CBS, the ESPN, the NBC Sports Network, the FS1s, the Fox Sportses, um, the Fox Sports, the main channel. You've got to have that money coming in. If you don't, it is devastating to the sport. It trickles down into everything else in the program. The suites, the signage, the sponsors, it's got to be there. And all of a sudden, if you start letting all those kids in and they, st- and, and you know, as, as Dr. Rick said, they're kids, they're going to party, they're going to go to bars, they're going to be in sororities and fraternities. Let's be honest about it. I mean, do you, do you think kids are not going to, <laughs> you think kids are going to social distance? I mean, look what's happening in our country. They open it up and we're seeing spikes everywhere and we're seeing it with young children, not children, but kids, you know, the 18, the 19, the 20, the 21s, the 22s, that exact age group. It's already happening. It is. And, you know, these kids, uh, we saw with Boise State last night. We've seen it with Alabama. We saw it with the University of Houston, saw it with LSU. It's going to be very tough to do. It's going to be tough with all these sports. There's no doubt. I, I'm just not sure how they pull this thing off, man. Well, I think one of the most fascinating things that Dr. Lehman touched on was he was talking about cortisol levels in some of the people that have tested positive for coronavirus and how elevated they were because stress levels have such a big deal to do with this. And when you're talking about these student athletes, they all come from a variety of different backgrounds. You're bound to have student athletes that are coming from more stressful environments than others and to hear that even if you're a very healthy individual that your stress level could affect your susceptibility to the virus in that way it was very eye-opening well what's interesting too is dr fauci says last night on michael k show that there could be in his opinion 
a vaccine by the end of the year, early next year. And then you have a very respected Dr. Rick saying that he's reading reports and talking to his people saying that the vaccine is very tough to get. I mean, you just don't know. It's so fluid. You just don't know. And I don't know. I'm not very smart. I mean, that's let's Stop just it, Dan. be honest about that. Okay, we have a lineup here, which I did ask for a lineup. Dan, here's the lineup I got. Wong, I agree with you. I talked to Mike Schill probably a month ago. I said, okay, how much have you missed baseball? And, and Mike said to me, okay, uh, I really missed it on opening day. He said, we won. Jack Flaherty made the start. So I knew the opening day lineup with Flaherty at the end. He was batting ninth, not batting eighth. Pitcher wasn't batting eighth. It was Flaherty pitching. He was ninth. Wong was at the top because I said, who was at the top of your lineup? He said, Wong. I said, give me the rest of the lineup. He said, I can't do that. He said, all I I can tell you is that we won. Okay. According to this fine gentleman, um... He's got Wong, DeYoung, Goldie. I got Goldie third. I do not have DeYoung second. He had Carlson, DH, but we know now there's no DH. I had DeYoung batting fourth, and then I just had a hodgepodge of guys. I had Carpenter in there, and so I I had um, O'Neal in left. I had Bader in center. I got Fowler in right. I got Carpenter at third. I've got DeYoung at short. I've got Wong at second, Goldie at first, and Molina at catcher with no DH that puts Edmund on the bench. I don't... Yeah, and okay. think about you're, you're uh, leaving out a, a Dylan Carlson in that uh, lineup, too. Come a, on, Dan. It's a little iffy trying to fit everyone in. Wake up, Dan. What's wrong <laughs> with you? I know, Dan. Well, shut up, Dan. You're a moron, Dan. I know. I got a lot of options here. All right, we'll talk more about that tomorrow. What do you say? Sounds great. We'll get into a little lineup construction because I'd rather talk a little baseball instead of talking about deferments and how many games. Okay, we know 60 games. It's about damn time, Dan. Watch your language on this show, will you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I crossed the crossed the line, Dan. All right. We'll uh, cross it over with <laughs> you cross the line and we'll cross it over with. How about that segue? Ribs and BK next on 101 ESPN. What a pro. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Crossover ribs and BK coming up. BK, what do you have on the show as we get ready for real baseball? It's going to be a fun one. I've got one big question for Jesse Rogers because every time that I hear people talking about baseball, I hear, well, what about the guys that are going to opt out? Do we know if guys can opt out and still get their service time? Because if they can't get the service time, then there's no reason for a lot of these guys, especially the free agents, to opt out. It just means that they got to play next year again under their current contract. So I'm going to ask that of Jesse Rogers at 11:15. We've got Chris Thorburn, former Blues player, Stanley Cup champion, going to come up at one o'clock talking about his retirement. So I lots to get to. Get I think it's if uh, pre-existing condition you can opt out. Um, or if you have a family member or whatever, you can opt out. But if not, then you lose your service time. Then I think. People talking about Mookie Betts opting out, there's no reason for him to opt out this year. Now you could show up and then all of a sudden say, ah, I think that's going to be 60 <laughs> days. I think. But I'll find out with Jesse. I'll be listening. Thank that's you. all coming up at 11 on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.